Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze, and today I'm joined in the studio by cheese blogger and urban cheesemaker Matt Spiegler of CheeseNotes.com. Thanks so much for being here, Matt. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Cool. Today we continue our cheese and art series. We've looked at how cheese and music and cheese and performance intersect, and today we're going to talk about cheese and film. So a few weeks ago, Matt and I went to see the Box Trolls. Uh, we were definitely the oldest people in the theater. Well, they, uh, they weren't accompanied by children. <laughs> they, yes, I, I agree with that. It's a stop-motion film based on a kid's book called Here Be Monsters. Uh, the film takes place in a town called Cheesebridge, where cheese is a symbol of uh, privilege and elitism. There are a lot of great cheese references in it. Uh, what did you think of that film, Matt? Uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, I mean, certainly it was the most cheese I've ever seen on screen in a film. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, no, it was great. I mean, it is interesting. It presents cheese lovingly and sort of, you know, is sort of very visually rich. You know, there's just these scenes that are overflowing with cheese. You know, but um, it is also interesting because it portrays it as sort of the food of the elite, and it's what the town, um, you know, sort of. Uh, the politicians and the elders and the people who sort of control the town consume, you know. It it definitely is. I um you know, for those of you who haven't seen the film, they know the the, the leaders of the town are these guys in the the, the white hats and uh they're definitely the, the gentry. They're they're portrayed, you know, they're well, they're they're thinly veiled portrayals of like uh, sort of like Anglo um, bourgeois, you know, town town leaders who have all the the cheese in the tasting room yeah. and uh, the landed gentry, the landed the, gentry, the Downton Abbeys of the, <laughs> of, the of the world, I guess, yeah. of this uh, stop motion claymation <laughs> world, which uh, which was really really interesting to look at. Uh, but they collected um, all of the cheese uh, kind of lovingly, although the cheese itself was was portrayed. As um, it was, it was sort of rotting and stinky looking. Mm-hmm. You know, even the, the, these guys would would hoard all of this cheese in the tasting room uh, and get together and uh, and munch on it. I guess almost There's every big, day, sort of decadent piles of oozing, multicolored, sort of greasy blobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, I I love to uh, to work with with cheese and uh, make massive piles of cheese, and I hope mine don't look as droopy and, uh, and bulbous as, as those yeah, I think do. A lot of those cheeses wouldn't pass muster in a cheese counter. But, <laughs> but that's, um, that's, uh, it's an, it's interesting uh, because you know, I don't know what, what cheese would be, what cheese would, would look like or be how it would be represented on film because I, I don't see it. I hardly ever, right. yeah. I hardly ever see it. Uh, you have mm-hmm. a background as a, as a filmmaker. Yeah. I uh, studied film in college originally at uh, UC Santa Cruz and then later at Hampshire college. So you, you you've been around you've been around yep. the film world mm-hmm. you understand what makes it go and uh, we just don't ever see cheese in and in or around film or even TV and yeah. we have this this uh, this cooking cooking contests have sort of taken over uh, the television 
the, the food dial, the food networks and mm-hmm. television. I feel like there's a, there's a cooking contest all the time. Yeah. But I rarely ever see cheese challenges in there. Yeah. Um, we don't see a lot of documentary films made. Um, well, we, we will today, but mm-hmm. we don't see a lot of documentaries made about cheese makers or the cheese yeah. making process. Yeah. What do you think that's all about? I'm not sure. I mean, I think part of it is that at least, you know, within America, cheese is still sort of, I think it's farmstead cheese especially is sort of just sort of coming up and sort of becoming a part of the the wider popular culture you know so i think there's still not a lot of uh, awareness of it even even as much as the cheese scene has ex- has exploded it's still a pretty small part of the overall food scene you know and sort of what people are aware of but and, even documentary films you know yeah, and, I, and i've seen yeah. a lot of documentary films on on and one of the best of the documentaries i ever i've ever seen is called fast cheap and out of control right. um and in uh, Errol Morris mm-hmm. and and it's uh, about a, a a mole specialist a mole's not like a mole in a Corporate sense, but uh, actual moles and a, and I believe a tree trimming, a uh, uh, garden art purveyor and right. and like and, a cheesemaker seems like a natural subject for Errol Morris actually. Yeah, it's, that's that combination of sort of you know eccentric but intellectual and I don't know. Well, what I always important. loved about his documentary films is the way that he was able to dive in like mm-hmm. that. I, I still remember, uh, you know, every time I, I think of uh, of Texas and I have a lot of friends from there, we're going to be talking to some filmmakers from there. I always think of the thin blue line. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. help but think of, uh, of, how, of, how that wa- of how that was and how it portrayed it. So I, I always think that Errol Morris should do a documentary about about, about cheese or cheese makers, but but even he, but no, but no one's touched it. Even yeah. uh, even um, food industry people, or when you, I just haven't seen it. You mm-hmm. know, I haven't seen it. I, I mean, I think for the food competitions, it might be a tough one to show because there's not that much visually. There's not that much activity involved with cheese preparation. You know, I mean, basically you're just slicing it and plating it, but you're not. You know, you. It's not as sort of dramatic as like, you know, sort of, you know, taking apart an entire carcass or something like that or, you know, doing sort of really complex plating or whatever, you know. I mean, I guess it could be, but a lot of cheese is just, you know, sort of handling it well, slicing it well, you know, maybe, you know, facing it a little bit, you know, cleaning it up and putting it on the board. I guess that's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, uh, I never... uh I, it's just it's just something that as we were preparing to look at this, and I know that that film and TV aren't the same mm-hmm. thing, but yeah. but I wanted to go there even even so, um, even back when I used to watch the original Iron Chef, uh, mm-hmm. I never remember cheese being one of their ingredients that right. they used. They yeah. would have Iron Chef France, you know, mm-hmm. but there was an Iron Chef. They but there would never be. It just was never a component even yeah. back then. Yep. And when I used to watch Molto Mario, the first day, the first times he would use like Parmigiano, but it was always to put on top of things. Right. So I, yeah. I've never even seen that. I've never seen Chopped that where cheese was. But maybe maybe I don't watch enough of those shows. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to start watching them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, maybe I haven't watched. I think enough it, to see it, it. You do see it like sort of a block of Parmesan in the basket or something like that. But you don't. The the, the range of cheeses that they're using are pretty limited. You know, it's sort of the standard cooking cheeses and not much else. So. But on, on film, the, when I do see cheese, it seems to me like it always is a, it, it's a subject or not a subject. It's a symbol of, of elitism. Yeah. And, yeah. And, or it's comic relief or it's – Sure. You know, sort of, you know, that's why you know, it's great for claymation because it's sort of – whether it's Wallace and Gromit or the box trolls, it, there is this sort of, you know, sort of clay-like 
you know, funny appearance to cheese. It's the greasiness. Yeah. That one's what it reminds me of. So, you know, there's a classic Monty Python cheese shop skit, mm-hmm. you know, which takes place in the, Ashen, the, the National Cheese Emporium, purveyor of fine cheese to the gentry, and it's a cheese shop with no cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you see um, uh, recently there was a family guy that had Stewie wearing a pair of European mm-hmm. diapers, which is really yep. small diapers, and uh, munching some uh, cheese and vino from the yep. fridge. <laughs> Euro Stewie. Um, and it's also like a negative uh, symbol because it's, you know, it's kind of stinky and it's moldy. Mm-hmm. Like in uh, the movie The Diary of a Wimpy Kid, uh, there's a type of cooties called the cheese touch mm-hmm. uh, that um, kids get from touching a piece of cheese. And I think that the, the kids, the little uh, the dude who's, uh, who's the narrator of that particular mm-hmm. portion, his voice makes it. Uh, makes it really just <laughs> even more so, just the way he produced it. But, I mean, what do you think those portrayals in pop culture mean for the public perception of cheese relate to film? Um, well, I think there's still this sort of very high-low perception of cheese. You know, it's sort of, on the one hand, it's either sort of farmstead cheeses and stinky French cheeses and all that, you know, or it's, you know, sort of, you know, like Wisconsin cheese heads, like sort of that perception of cheese, you know. So it's still, there's still sort of this divide, and I think a lot of people... In American in America are not quite sure how to make the leap to sort of high quality cheeses. I don't know. But do you think it'll change? I mean, we see everything else. You know, we we seen um, we seen films about beer, uh, yeah. both comedy yep. and uh, and, uh, and uh, by necessity, Every, everything else has been turned into that. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, do you think that that'll ever hit the mainstream, or should it? Or I does think, it even matter? Um, I think I. I, I mean, I would hope that it would eventually. I would hope that sort of what we've seen with craft beers would happen with cheese as well, you know. But I think it's a little more challenging than, than with beer. Why I mean, so? Uh, I think, you know, just sort of the flavors and aromas and textures of cheese are much more challenging for a lot of people. You know, I think, you know, you think of something like goat cheese, which is sort of, you know, I think for people who know cheese, it's sort of, it's a very sort of, easy to consume cheese it's it's not a challenging cheese but for a lot of people even something like goat cheese is you know is is a big hurdle to sort of to overcome but it's the craft though too you know we don't highlight cheese making and on film as an artisan craft or Mm -hmm. we are we haven't much in our second uh, the second segment of our show we're going to get to that we have some great uh, Mm -hmm. some great people coming on to talk to us who just made a small film about cheese, but yeah. even that's just a short. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that only because it's not a it's not a feature length thing. You know, in this world of of, of cheese, in our world, uh, you know, we have these sort of uh, what we consider to be rock stars. You know, yeah. of, the, of our cheese world, or, or just people who are well known. You would think that one of them would get uh, would get a shot. To- yeah, I mean, there was there was that Beekman Brothers show. I don't but, know that one. Yeah, that was about a farm in upstate New York, and uh, this. Uh, these guys, the Beekman boys, you know, have this beautiful farm upstate, but the, you know, which has you know goats and cheese making, and a lot of they do soaps and they do a lot of different sort of value added production, but the cheese was just sort of one small component of that. They do a cheese called Black. It's B L A A K. Okay. And it was like Gwyneth Paltrow's favorite cheese five of years course. ago or something. So. Does this actually exist? This does, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, it was like forty-two dollars a pound and extremely hard to get, but yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah, the landed gentry. Yep. <laughs> back to the landed gentry. One um, one thing I, I loved uh, to go back to uh, the movie that we saw, the box trolls, which I would totally recommend for people with uh, with kids, but also just for anybody who loves cheese. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, the cheese itself uh, has this sort of uh, this. 
disability in the movie. There's uh, those little trolls, and, uh, and the, the exterminator, the snatcher, is trying to come get them. And the snatcher loves the cheese. He desperately wants to be a part of the of the upper crust and sit in the tasting room. But he's either allergic to the cheese or the cheese repels him, which I thought was really cool. How right. the, the cheese, you know, he, he starts to eat it. And he just bubbles up and turns into this hideous mutant with the smallest portion, even though he desperately just wants to mm. to try it. Uh, but his uh, his viciousness and his uh, his cruelty for cruelty's sake keeps him from mm-hmm. being able to to enjoy the cheese. But yet the aloof gentry are sort of allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, the the cheese doesn't seem to affect any of them in a negative way. Right. And mm-hmm. I just I kind of found that interesting. Mm-hmm. About you. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like this the sword in the uh, King Arthur's legend, you know, only, yes. only the worthy can actually when can draw the sword out, <laughs> but or something like that. But. It was uh, it, it was interesting uh, to that that was I guess what what struck me most. I mean, I loved I loved all of the the little uh, the cute names that we mm-hmm. gave they gave to the to the streets and uh, how there was a market of cheese. And, I mean, I guess in a way it does put cheese on the radar for the children who are seeing this film in a way that I think you know, so. It hasn't happened previously. Um, well, there's a massive wheel of brie that the town is uh, right. that the town rolls in. It's kind of <laughs> unctuous and undulating, and then it, of course, it explodes. All the cheeses in this film keep exploding all mm-hmm. over the people that eat them, which uh, isn't the the best thing when it happens to you when you're uh, you know selling cheese or purchasing cheese. But um, it is a it is a, a cute special effect for the kids, I think. But I am. Um, I mean, on the other hand, that there's a kids movie. Um, well, not a kids movie. You know the movie Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. Um, when he first is feeding his uh, his buddy Remy, he's feeding him the cheese uh, out of the garbage, um, and uh, Remy gets a little hint of what the cheese can do for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Which and I, and I love that movie. So I guess that dealt with cheese a little bit. I yeah. guess Ratatouille yeah. did back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and then they, they actually just used it as a gate. Um, also to show what the other foods, mm-hmm. what the other foods were. Obviously, that there was a bigger, um, there was a bigger message that they mm-hmm. had for everybody. I mean, I think it's interesting because I think for cheese, even within the cheese scene among cheese people themselves, there is more of a sort of a sense of humor and good humor, sort of self mockery yes. of cheese. You know, it, that is there. You know, I don't like the cheesemonger invitational. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't. I don't think you would see that in a competition among sommeliers or something like that. You know, that sort of cheese rave bacchanalia. Well, environment. The thing is, though, and I, I, I would, I would tend to agree with you. But then I went and saw this movie called Som oh, about, yeah. I seen and that. those guys were messed up. Oh, those really? were some weird. Those were some weirdos. Mm-hmm. Some, but, but um, I think that that would be a good idea too. I mean, we could see a documentary about one of the cheese competitions. That would be mm-hmm. sweet. Well, uh, Will Studd actually has. You can. Uh, he did. Oh, he did that. Yes. One he, of his episodes was about the Cheesemonger Invitational. I was uh, talking to somebody about Will Studd. Will Studd with two Ds. Two Ds. Yeah, Australian. Yeah. Cheese. Actually, yeah. I mean, he's. You know, he's one of the people who's really documenting the cheese scene. You know, he has his series Cheese Slices. He, yeah. Like, and um, he um, he actually was uh, was involved in some politics around cheese, wasn't he? Yeah, was he, not? he was. Um, yeah, I forget the exact story, but he's definitely been involved with uh, the you know sort of the struggle for raw milk cheeses in Australia, and bringing um, I think it was Roquefort, yes, which was blocked from export to Australia, and he was involved with the fight to get it into the country again. So well, we're glad he's using the medium for good yeah. ways. And yeah, and is those I think they're available on Vimeo. You can buy the episodes uh, for streaming. Cool. Uh, yeah. Check it out. Will Stud. 
We're going to go to break now, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about cheese and documentary films. Uh, we have the director of Simple as That, which is a short documentary that just featured in last week's Food Film Festival in New York, as well as the cheese maker who is the focus of this film. We'll be right back on Cutting the Curd. <laughs>
The dairy farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Hello, this is Mark Ladner from Del Posto, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Hello, and welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm here in the studio with my co-host today, Matt Spiegler of CheeseNotes.com. And today we're continuing our Cheese and Art series with an episode about film. On the line, I'm really excited to have a couple of cheese and film ladies from Texas. Uh, we have Carrie Branch, one of the co-directors of Simple as That, a short documentary about a couple of cheesemakers in Marfa, Texas, who started their own goat cheese making during a terrible drought in 2011. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Greg. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. And we also have one of the cheesemakers herself, Melinda Beeman of the Marfa Made Dairy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having us. So uh, Matt, I believe, had a question he wanted to ask yeah, you. Yeah, Kerry, I was wondering um, how was it that you – What would, did you have an interest in cheese and agri- agriculture before making the documentary? And how was it that you came to this as a subject? Um, actually, I do have an interest in it. I grew up in a farming community, and when we talk about drought, we view it a little differently than people that who have uh, migrated to the urban areas and, and you know think of a drought as something that happens to their lawn. Right. You know, yeah. I I see them with the more dire circumstance mm-hmm. with where I grew up, and so I wanted to do a drought story, but I also wanted to make it a, a story about um, perseverance and in a way to connect, reconnect people with our rural areas and the families that have dedicated their lives to bringing us our food. Mm -hmm. And so when we found the story of Alan and Melinda, it just fit. It was perfect. And you're from Texas yourself, correct? So this uh, this story hits hits close to home? Yes. Um, Originally from Oklahoma, but lived in Texas longer than anywhere else. And, yeah, you know, went to UT and... Love Texas. I'll never leave. It's one of the best places to live. So, and, um, Melinda, I was wondering, how did you react to the idea of being the subject of a documentary? Well, initially, we thought we were just kind of a test case uh-huh. because they'd come to uh, do a, a, a workshop here, and they sort of were looking for some subjects. And so I, I really didn't think it was going to be that sort of serious. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, not that they weren't serious, but that... You know, it was more that we were kind of just actors almost in a way. I I was kind of surprised that eventually it evolved into a, a much more sort of sophisticated and serious piece than we originally even thought we were going to get into. Mm-hmm. After watching the piece, you know, I watched it a couple times, and I realized how connected you guys were, and I, I really, really liked the film. Uh, it was well... It was well done for me on a number of levels. I love the juxtaposition of the the beauty and the vibrance of the young animals that you guys had around you against the drought uh, the drought chapped landscape that that you were making cheese on and I was really really interested in that and uh, through that lens, I had a question for you uh, Melinda like I wanted to to know 
uh, from you, like how cheese making, because you're an artist, correct? You are a, yes, a, yes, I've a, been an artist my entire life. Yeah, and you mentioned that in the film, and, and I was wondering, uh, because we're doing this series here um, of uh, cutting the curd about uh, cheese and art, and uh, we we've had on some um, some uh, some cheese makers who were into the mu- who are musicians, and uh, we've also had some cheese makers on who were performance artists, and we <laughs> talked to them about how everything sort of came together from them. So I wanted to wonder if you could expound on how cheese making cheese for you um, gave you the same feeling as uh, creating any other type of art in your life. Right. Well, I mean, most artists I've known through my lifetime are really, really uh, engaged in making food. They love to make food, and they love to cook, and it is certainly a creative process. Um, When I started making cheese, it was more anything just a kind of fill in the gap because we're out in West Texas and there wasn't a lot of good cheese available. And we had some goats and we thought we'd try it. But when I started to make it, I realized that it really was very much akin to the uh, art making processes I'd always done all my life. I'm a trained printmaker, etching lithography, um, silkscreen, and in the sort of process, the way that cheese made was so similar to the way that fine prints were made, and so it's sort of all, everything I'd learned from before really worked into being a cheesemaker. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's kind of that marriage of like a highly technical skill combined with a, a creative expression in a way, you know. Exactly, exactly, yes. You know, you, in, in printmaking, you, you know, once you've gotten the sort of the model that you want to reproduce, then you just keep reproducing it mm-hmm. as, as perfectly as you can, and, and the same as with cheese making, there's a lot of experimenting and trial and error before, but when you get to, you know, to the point where you're happy with the product, then then you try to keep reproducing it, so you're you've got a good product. That's uh, that's fantastic. And as a a, a juxtaposition or a, as a, an aside to that, uh, Carrie, uh, when I when I met you, uh, you know, we spoke briefly at Italy, and and I talked to you about. Um, the subjects that you chose, and if you could draw any connections between filmmaking as an art and cheese making as an art, and if those two things you found were really a, a good marriage um, through the making of this documentary film. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I try to touch people with storytelling in the same way that Melinda tries to connect with people and touch people through what she makes. And I think it's about making connections, whether it's through a story or a a product that you're going to make and share with your community or a food you're going to share with your family. Um, When you have um, a project, an art project that has a purpose to it, you have a tendency to put more of yourself into it. And you have a tendency to work harder and 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 want to share it with people. It just it's it's similar in process, although it's a different end product and a different way of connecting. I feel like it's very similar in what you put into it and how you feel about it. I thought so too, and I thought that through watching the film, I thought that maybe you guys had. had had made a connection there, um, and maybe it's because I met you, uh, Carrie, before I saw I saw the film, and uh, you prepped me a little. But after I saw the film, I could see um, that you were lovingly attached to the subject 
of cheese making or that it had touched you in some way or at least that's how I thought it how I thought it to be. I do and I actually feel that way about anyone that's producing food for the masses whether it's a your small community or your large community. I feel like that's a calling. Um it's certainly often not monetarily something that is, you know, benefits you financially. It's usually a way of life that's passed down through a family, um, and it's, it's community-bound. I feel like it's, it's a, sort of a calling to, to produce for people. I absolutely agree um, on some yeah. levels. Um, I wanted to talk to you for a minute, uh, Melinda, about your goats uh, that, I, that I met briefly during the, during the film. And uh, how many of them do you have on your run? Well, on your... It, it, it varies wildly throughout the year. Um, you know, just depending on on the season, uh, this, this this sort of the herd that or the milking herd are about twenty five, um, you know, uh, milking does, and then we have a few bucks, and then the, when we have the kidding season, we can we can add about forty kids for you know several months until they're weaned. So it can go anything from twenty five to seventy, but that that's not very. A good situation for too long. Now you need to grow out of that, I would imagine, right? You want to? Sorry, would you say that again? I heard that dog in the background there. Yes, we're out in the farm here. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> no help, no help. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was wondering, um, you want to grow as a dairy, correct? Uh, you know, we don't actually want to grow as a dairy. We've we've sort of um, come to the conclusion that we're going to keep it small and local. Uh, you know, Alan and I both have had extensive other careers, so we're not really young. <laughs> so we want to enjoy this and, and really make the most of it. And, and a lot of it is about teaching and sharing. Um, I teach cheese-making classes, and I also, uh, we also have a lot of community things where the 4-H kids come out and, the, uh, you know, the school kids and, you know, let them meet the, the goats and, and do milking and stuff. So... You know, we're, we're, we don't want to get involved in a lot of shipping. Sure. We just really just want to have a, you know, just have the adventure here. So, yeah, I was wondering, um, what is the uh, current drought situation in West Texas? Well, I think technically we're still in a drought. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a really good rainy summer. Oh, so great. we have a lot of, uh, lot of grasses out there, although mm-hmm. we don't feed them the local grasses. Okay, so even when the weather is good, you're you're still uh, buying all your feed, bringing in the feed. Right, all okay. our all our feed, pretty much all of it's bought. Mm-hmm. We we do. Um, my partner Alan, he'll grow some uh, some acreage of, of wheat and some oats, just to give them something different, green. But the problem is, we're we are in the desert, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know there is it's a, it's it's really grassy prairie, but the Chihuahua. Chihuahuan Desert reaches into it, and so it's not exactly a safe place to let goats wander around because there's rattlesnakes, mountain lions, coyotes, so we have to keep them in a, you know, in a relatively confined area. Right, right. You said you, are, you, uh, you have cheese-making classes. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you teach those out of? Uh, we teach them uh, in the dairy. We teach them just you know, every usually when it gets toward the um, end of the season, so we're not in you know full production. We need to keep some 
integrity to the, the facility, but um, teach them right in, in the actual uh, cheese kitchen. That's pretty cool. How many people can you teach it at one time? I like, we, we keep it small. It's about eight. Oh, that's so it's intimate and it's fun. Uh, the, the classes are one of the best parts about about, about cheese uh, education. Uh, our uh, our uh, co-producer here uh, is teaching a, a class tonight. Uh, our co-producer Emily is teaching a, a mozzarella making class uh, across town. So uh, cool. uh, uh, we we teach. I do mostly tasting classes myself, as I am not a cheese maker. But education is a big part of um, of what you know. Well, it's a big part of cheese. Matt and I were talking about uh, about cheese in uh, in culture in America before you guys came on the uh, on the line, and how okay. it's represented in film. And uh, Carrie, maybe you can talk to us about this. Um, there aren't a lot of cheese films out there, and uh, I was wondering if maybe you could give us an idea of why you thought that is. Um, yeah, there aren't a lot of cheese films out there. Um, I don't know. I think people may have an idea that cheese isn't a serious subject, or that. Um, you know, we, we have a tendency to think of it as, um, or, you know, Velveeta, uh, or either Velveeta or something that is um, European mm-hmm. and aloof. So I, I don't know why there isn't more food films or cheese films. Uh, I think it's interesting to see people um, creating art, whether it's, you know, traditional art or food art. or And, you know, that's getting more and more. There's a food channel now, and you know, dedicated to food, and, and we have programs on how to make food, but I, I think broader programs and documentaries uh, on a bigger portion of cheese rather just than just how to make it, just sort of its effect on the community and, and um, how people use cheese and how it's made. And I think it's more important than just, you know, here's a recipe and how you, you know, use cheese in a recipe. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to see more on cheese. Well, that that was my my point because you obviously had a connection in your in your short film. You could obviously tell you could tell that you had a connection to your subjects, and the subjects had their connection to what they did. And uh, I just we we were debating on what, why why more people don't do that because uh, for for us cheese is a very powerful thing. Uh, for Matt and myself, it uh, it's a it's a big part of our of our lives uh, and what we do. So it was really nice to see you guys. Um, through the lens of a filmmaker and cheesemaker, and come together in that in that beautiful little uh, that little short there. And I was wondering if maybe one of you guys could tell us just a tiny bit about Marfa, Texas, and uh, and what it's all about there. You want me to do that, Carrie? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, since you live there, sure, that'd be great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll, we'll hope it's accurate. Um, Marfa is yeah. kind of a very unique town. Uh, I'm from California originally, so how I ended up in Marfa, Texas, is a long, long story. But it's a it's a town that's in the um, the Davis Mountains near the Davis Mountains, and there are mountains in Texas. And um, it's about 2,000 population of 2,000. It's it has recently in the past oh, 15, 20 years become an art destination. There's a major art uh, <clears throat> organization called the Chinati Foundation. Which is houses the work of Donald Judd, who's a very famous uh, artist, a minimalist artist who died probably about 15 years ago, I think. And it's a very large uh, art museum and installation, and it's just become a kind of a, a quirky, interesting place that a lot of people that you would never believe would show up here, and they do. And I came as as an artist 
because I love the landscape and the beauty of the of the countryside. But it's kind of it's kind of become its own unique place. Mm-hmm. Is it against the culture that exists there? Is it against the culture? Well, or or, ju- or pushed up against? Maybe maybe against is the wrong word. Is it opposite right. of the culture? Well, it's you know it's I think uh, most people would say that we're living together in, in, in a fairly, you know, good harmony. It's, it's, there's a ranching culture around here is mostly what has been here. And the town really was a service town for the ranches. And so the art, the art institution that started here it kind of snuck up on everyone. And, and it, you know, it's a, it's a green industry artist, and so it doesn't really, you know, hurt anyone or affect right. anyone, although... I think a lot of the natives are are still pretty perplexed by <laughs> by the the people wandering around the hipsters with lots of tattoos and different color hair and and you see them sitting on a you know a chair in uh, in a coffee shop next to somebody you know who's a died in the wool rancher generations back but the, everyone gets along pretty well. We're perplexed by those same people sometimes here in New York. <laughs> and you kind of, you being an artist and also a cheesemaker and a goat farmer, you kind of bridge, you're kind of a bridge between the two in a way. I think so. Well, I, I think, you know, I mean, I've I'm, I'm been an artist my entire life. And, uh, you know, going to art openings and cocktail parties was kind of normal fare until I moved here. And now it's, you know, getting up at five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning and helping to feed animals. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our life, uh, my whole perspective of life has changed dramatically being involved with the animals and the product. And it's, it's, a, it's a different different lifestyle entirely. Do you prefer one over the other? You seem so happy to be making cheese. You know, I, I, feel, I feel more useful. <laughs> in some ways, as a cheesemaker than I did as an artist, although I, I love doing art, and I still do my art. I still paint. Uh, but, it, you know, is the connection of making food that people really, really enjoy and and want and need is, and I also run the farmer's market here, uh, which is in a town that's literally a food desert, you know, it's, it's really essential. So I feel in many ways more valuable, uh, you know, I, I still want to be an artist as well, but making cheese is, is, a, is, is a really rewarding experience in many levels. That's cool. Well, I wanted to ask you, Carrie, are you going to make uh, any more films about cheese? Because you said there weren't enough out there. <laughs> uh, you know, possibly. Um, it's, it's my co-writer, director, um, Ashley uh, McHugh, is a foodie through and through, and... Um, she was uh, the one that, you know, gladly took the cup of warm, fresh goat milk from Alan and drank it right down and <laughs> sort of broke the ice for us. And she's really led the way as far as uh, food goes, specific foods. And um, she loves food, and I'm sure we'll do definitely another food documentary and possibly another cheese documentary. And I know, Melinda, you are have expanded your line since we've been out there, so we may come and do... Uh, more on you if you can stand having people at your house at 5 a.m. <laughs> well, it's, it's beginning to be like that anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, as long as you help. We, you know, the, the, the best thing that came out of this was really getting to know the three of them who, who did the film, and we've all become friends, and I, I just feel very gifted with the opportunity to be a part of what they've done here, which I think is extraordinary. 
Are, are there any uh, upcoming screenings of Simple as That in the near future? Well, we had our final film festival screening at the New York Food Film Festival mm-hmm. just this last weekend, which was is a fabulous festival if you get a chance to attend. It's just a completely different experience, and I love it. They serve the food mm-hmm. that's showing on the screen while you're in the theater. It's just it's just a wonderful festival. So did, um, we don't have, have any public screenings planned. We are now looking at distribution, and hopefully we'll have it for rent online very soon. Great. Was there um, was Melinda's cheese served at the screening? It was. Oh, that's great. It was fabulous, and we even had a guy say that he normally doesn't like goat cheese, but that this goat cheese was fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic in itself. So. Yeah. That's great. Well, unfortunately, ladies, we're going to have to let you go. Uh, All right. Because we're out of time. But I wanted to say thanks to everybody, uh, to my co-host, Matt Spiegler. Great um, to be here. And uh, to Carrie Branch, filmmaker. Um, simple as that. you got to check it out. And uh, to Melinda Beeman of the Marfa Made Dairy. If you're ever down in Marfa, Texas, you better go buy some goat cheese from this lady. Maybe take a uh, goat cheese making class. And uh, thanks to everybody who's listened to our Cheese and Art series. We'll be back next week on Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>